Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 258 of Korea Podcast. Our today's guest is Mr. Omar Siddiqui. He's a freelance concept artist focusing on environments from Dallas, Texas, United States. And of course, you know, as usual, if you go into the for context section of the captions, which is right down below wherever you're watching or listening to this episode, you can find the ID to his Instagram account, the links to his YouTube channel, which we're going to talk about in this podcast extensively, and also a link to his Gumroad, which actually for anyone who's listening, there's a little surprise there. I'm not going to spoil it to what it is. Uh, I'm just going to give you a little spoiler is for 3D artists, you know, who might need some certain assets, but you know, you can go check out the link yourselves. And with that being said, how are we doing today? And I just have to just mention that I really like your background, the decor of your house, the room, the plants. Oh yeah, and everything. I know it, it, it was a work in progress for the longest yeah, time and it's, it's so refreshing. Is. But yeah, dude, plants are everything. You know, when you put plants in the background, they just liven things up. I know I wasn't really a plant guy to begin with, but I put one plant and I'm like, yo, this looks nice, the green color. And so now I'm going to keep adding to that collection and a little yeah, bit of that's, it's, Yeah, it does a nice contrast with the whiteness of the door and the, the frame behind it. Yeah, yeah cool. for sure. Yeah. And, well, thanks for having uh, me up here, though. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, man. Uh, I actually forgot to ask you this, you know, before we started, you know, is this like the first podcast you've been on? I, I, I like this. I like to ask this question a lot, you know, to guess because it's always, you know, I'm curious about that. I guess, I guess officially, yes. I mean, I've done one like maybe five years ago when I was in college because it was a class assignment for a friend who was doing a, a sound engineering class or something. But other than that, not, yeah, I would say this is my first official podcast, I guess, with someone new. Right, fair enough. And all right, so let's start with, you know, the question and subject I start off the, each episode with, which is give us a little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design. Basically, tell us your origin story, if you know, how you um, basically got on this path to become an artist, you know, what led you to become an artist? Like, tell us about your journey from the start of it. So for me, I guess, like, like every other cliched artist, I grew up drawing a lot and I grew up watching a lot of anime as well. And... Um, I guess when I was done with high school, I had to make a decision, right? Okay, what do I want to do for a living? So from there, I, I wasn't really like pursuing it professionally. It was more more just like a hobby. But then when I was around, um, I guess around when COVID happened, I kind of got more into, you know, just games a little bit. Like I was playing a lot of video games and then started like doing more research on like concept art, illustration, animation, 3D modeling. And I was like, whoa, I can actually like learn this stuff and actually work as an artist. And so that's where like the journey for me pretty much began. Prior to that, I was just doing like very, uh, I was in a very traditional route, you know, going through that engineering school. And then I like made the switch. I'm like, you know what, while I'm young, let me just experiment and try this out. Like, I don't care if I'm like, if I fail in my thirties, it's fine. Then I can always go back to college, get a degree, do something else. Right. But while I'm young and I have energy, I'm going to like, go ahead and try this out. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it's fine. So I guess that's where the journey started. Around, I want to say, like 2019 slash 2020. All right. And um, what they say, like, you know, that's actually such an interesting point, you know, when you mentioned, you know, while I'm young, you know, I, I can, I'm just going to go wild and try all these different things I'm interested in. You know, that's actually such an interesting point. But, you know, given with everything you just experienced, you know, at this point uh, by far, you know, if you could turn back time and, you know, just you could, you know, have five minutes with your 18 year old self again. Um, what did you say to her? 
man, if I could turn back time, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I would tell my younger self to practice my drawing fundamentals a lot more than just painting pretty images. Is because I guess when I first got introduced to the whole concept art world, I was already learning 3D modeling a little bit on the side. Like I had like little courses in college, like where I took like 3D modeling classes. And um, when I saw the concept work for like Last of Us, I thought that, oh, I can just learn a 3D program and then just start building concept art. Because that's because I feel like during that time, Blender was getting very mainstreamed. And so I went down that route and I got good at 3D for a little bit, but then I did not know what it takes to make a good image like, you know, lighting, color, shadow, mood. Like, I did not know any of that composition. I was just randomly making stuff. Text, you know how easy it is to texture stuff now with PBR materials. Um, so I would definitely tell myself that, hey, learn, go, because I go back to your basics, learn your fundamentals. Because I feel like as artists, we reach a point where our ego gets to us, right? We're like, oh no, I am good at drawing. Like, I know how to do this. Like, I don't need to go back to the basics, right? But then when you actually get feedback on your work from professionals and when they tell you that hey practice the fundamentals that's like a the biggest slap in the face that hey you need to like practice the basics before you start doing all this cool shit that you're doing and lately i've been doing that not very regularly but like to some extent and i've seen my work jump like a lot so yeah yeah just speaking to fundamentals that's such like a such a common like you know thing that plagues like every beginner you know even even myself you know just basically most people i know like you know you're, you're passionate about making cool art and just want to quickly jump in and you know make the cool art but then you just skip through all those boring fundamentals that you didn't want to practice but it's gonna bite you some sometime along the way you know yeah and also like you know people don't really focus more on the storytelling aspect of making an image right like there has to be like some sort of emotion some sort of story and you know whenever and i had this realization like i was taking a class and i made this like super cool environment you know i built out everything in 3d did a paint over and then my teacher was like so what's the story here and i'm like uh some dude just standing with a stick and a cool house or something you know it's like so if you can't if you don't know what the story is or what you're trying to show, then it doesn't really like connect with people. Yeah, exactly. And um, now speaking of, you know, a story, like that's actually such an interesting point because I want to, you know, move into this next subject, which is how does your design process usually go anytime you want to start working on a new project? Like speaking of that there's actually like the link to his youtube channel is actually in the description for anyone who's listening or watching this episode there's so many like you know with the, with the videos that you can watch especially actually about the uh design process and the structure of the pipeline but uh we want to hear it right now you know from your you know from your own uh point of view like how would you describe your this the structure of your pipeline you know like the workflow i want to yeah. say my workflow is constantly changing. So it went through so many phases. So like I mentioned earlier a little bit, like at first I thought that I could just make stuff in 3D because I don't have to like draw. I can just like build everything out. I'm going to have my perspective and, you know, just call it a day. And then the more I did that, the more I realized that it's more time consuming to do ideation in 3D than it is in 2D. Oops. So what I started doing instead was that like now what I do, I'll... First of all, I'll start off with picking out references. Like for example, the, the prop design series that I'm doing right now, 
It's actually heavily inspired by um, Cappadocia in Turkey. It's like those those mountains that have like caves. And so I was like, you know what? I want to make something that's inspired by this, you know, this this area, this place. And so the idea started from there. So I looked up some images and then I put them all together. And then, um, so that project is also part of like a, a mini class that I'm taking. And so the feedback that I got was, okay, these images are cool, but how can we like add a twist to them? Like, you know, right now, if you just copy whatever you see in those images, it's just going to look like, you know, like you're just doing a study. And so the next step was me trying to figure out, okay, how can I use this element and make it look interesting and original? And so I thought, okay, why, why, why not we go through this route of like, hey, this is a location, right? We got these mountains, people are living in there. And there's a meteorite that came and crashed here. And now that meteorite became crystals and jewels that are heat absor absorbent. And now these people are using these jewels to kind of like use it in their daily lives. And so from there came the idea of, okay, how about I make a bakery? Like how would a bakery look like in this city, but they're using these jewels to power up their stoves. So that, that's where the idea began. Like, and then from there, I went ahead and took more references on how, you know, people make breads and stuff. I know like in the Middle Eastern culture, Pakistani culture, they make like those non breads and you know, all those, those amazing breads, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so I kind of went down this rabbit hole of just, of just researching that part. And then I got more references for like the interior shots. So I guess like the first few days was just me Googling and YouTubing stuff and trying to figure out relevant stuff that I can use and make. Because at the end of the day, it has to look relatable. But if you're also making something that's original, it needs to have that that balance, right? Of like fiction, original and your relatability. So once I had that figured out, then I went ahead and started sketching. And usually the sketching that I do is mostly just like a front face, a 2D sketch of like the front view of the bakery. From there, I went to 3D, did like six very simple looking sculpts. Then I came back to Photoshop and then I sketched on top of them just to redefine everything. And then from there, once I decided that, hey, this one looks good out of the six sketches, one of them looks good. Then I went back to 3D, built everything out, textured it, rendered it, and then went back to Photoshop painted over it. So generally, that's what my workflow looks like. And now as far as software goes, I use 3D Code, Blender, and Photoshop. And 3D Code is mainly a software that I use for sculpting and te texturing. And I only use it if I have like an interesting focal point. Like I wouldn't use it for every single 3D model that I have in my scene because this is going to be a waste of time. So most of my uh, scene building happens inside of Blender. But if I have a focal point, that's going to be like the main focus off an environment piece, I'll make sure that that's like highly detailed, very interesting looking and 3D code makes it easier for me to like uh, work on that. So, so yeah, that's what I would say if my workflow is sorry, that was a super long answer. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Actually, um, have you ever considered, you know, implementing like, you know, use of engines in your workflow as well as a concept artist? Because uh, I, I kind of forgot her name, but there was this uh, concept artist who she is specifically specialized in you know, using Unreal Engine and you know making her pieces in, in her studio. Oh yeah, I think yeah yeah I think that, that was her name yeah. Uh, have you have you ever you know tried to you know implement you know engines or even need, I felt the need to do that? I've tried it, but my computer sucks, and so I wasn't able to run it properly. But I've definitely tried to implement it. But at the same time, it's also like I feel like as concept artists, they're like so. When you're a concept artist, you don't really have any limitations when it comes to software, right? You just use whatever you want to create an image. 
And I feel like with every year, every couple of years, there's always going to be a better software, bigger software. So before making that jump, I feel like it's very important that you get comfortable using the softwares you've been using first. And then when you see that there's like a drastic change, then you start jumping to a different software. You mean, you know what I mean? Like at some point you got to stop learning softwares and start making more pieces. Cause I went down this rabbit hole where I was like, okay, let me just learn Blender. Let me just learn ZBrush. Then I got to learn Substance Painter. And then, you know, you, you have like a whole list of softwares. And so I try to like stay out. So I didn't really find the need to use it yet to the point where I'm like seeing everyone do it. But I'm pretty sure in the near future, um, I'll definitely want to at least try it at least once. But for now, I'm just sticking with whatever I have because because then it's, it's a whole another learning curve at that point. And I feel like it's going to stop me from creating more projects. But I highly suggest you to try just using the default settings of just Lumen lighting in Unreal. Just make a simple scene and just import into Unreal. And the, the, the real time in the lighting is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard and I've seen a lot of stuff. So yeah, it's it's really good the lighting the things you can do with lumen the very like you know not in with just i don't know like one hour of tutorials or even less than that you can achieve a lot of you know really good results out of the lighting of your scene instead of because you know in, yeah of course you can do a lot of stuff in blender and other like 3d softwares as well but i don't know like just it's much more convenient when it comes to you know just having that just good lighting you know maybe there's a lot of other things like I, i'm not a pro concept artist or like or anything like that but from my very limited experience, you know, I, I, that's one of the big things I've noticed when it comes to just using Unreal Engine for taking screenshots to maybe then later put them in the Photoshop to overpaint, you know, to get the lighting right. Like, I, I think it really helps. Yeah, I don't know yeah, for if, sure. if anyone knows anything about this, leave any suggestions or topics you have down in the comment section, you know, so others can learn. Uh, I'm not a professional, by the way, you know, in any shape or form, but this is just from my limited experience. But yeah. Yeah, I think like with Unreal, it's also very good at handling very high poly models. So that's also a really good thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially with the Nanites uh, that they implemented mm -hmm. in Unreal 5. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. Using Unreal for, for like a concept artist is way different than using Unreal for like a, I don't know, like a you know, 3D environment artist, you know, which is actually something that I'm trying to be. <laughs> and... Um, the thing is, you know, because you're, you're willing to optimize everything and take an account for every single like settings and thing you take in this, like, you know, the options menu, like of everything you need to import. But for a concept artist in the end of the day, correct me if I'm wrong, you just, you just need a like, couple of good screenshots so you can, you know, then take it to the next software and just, you know, work on it. Am I right? Or I'm probably wrong in some shape yeah, or yeah, form. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Mm -hmm. You just like... Yeah. Put everything together, either screenshot or render it. Exactly. And then you do more. On so you can board. get away with a lot of stuff. So I, I actually mm -hmm. think, like, you know, I really in that sense could really help, to be honest. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And um, the next thing I want to ask you is actually um, in the introduction, I mentioned that, of course, you're a concept artist, but, you know, with the focusing on environments. Now, here's my question you know, what led you to um, decide to, all right, I want to specialize in environments, you know? So for me, so what happened was whenever, when I started getting more into concept art, now if you Google concept art, right, and you open Google images, the first few images you get is of like keyframe shots, environment shots, environment concepts. You'll rarely get any character concepts or illustrations that popped up. So I was like, you know what? 
if I got, if I want to get into this thing, I think I should try getting into environments. That was like the main, like the first time that I made that decision. And then from there, um, I, I got a couple Skillshare courses from Hardy Fowler. And then during his courses, I didn't really make anything original. It was just me copying him and doing whatever he was doing. And by the end of that course, I was like, you know what? It's, it, was, it was actually fun. Like I did not dislike it. And prior to doing environment design, I was only drawing anime. And <laughs> it was a big jump, the most different jump I've like the most different thing I've ever done in my entire life. And the main reason why I avoided doing environments for so long is because I did not know how to approach them, right? And I feel like for a lot of things, many times we're scared of trying new things because we don't know how to approach them, right? And once you get that, once you figure out a way to get there, once you learn a little bit, once you learn the approach, then you start realizing that, oh my God, this is actually not that bad. And I, and as as I said earlier, like I was trying to go into it in a, with a very like open mindset. Like I was like, okay, I'm gonna be super um, open about the experience, and I'm gonna be super honest with myself. Like, do I really will I enjoy making environments, or is it just gonna be like you know whatever, right? Because I knew that the worst that's gonna happen is that I'm just gonna not do it again, you know. Um, but that was the first thing that got me into it. And then of course, when all the concept work for Last of Us came out, I was like, shit, I want to do stuff like this. And then since then, I've just been doing environments for the most part. All right, cool. And speaking of environments, what was the first, you know, commission or job you had regarding, you know, you know, being, a, being an environment customer, you know, do you remember that? Actually, I guess I didn't really have a proper environment concept art job. It was mostly like just doing storyboards and, um, and in that, in those storyboards, they were very like uh, focused on. It was like an outdoor scene, right? This guy was shooting a commercial, and so I had to do a lot of like matte painting, a lot of like three D modeling, and had to create a camera and just like make all those shots. But that was like the first one that I ever got, and it was a lot of fun to work on. Awesome. And well, you mentioned Hardy Fowler, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, Hardy Fowler, yeah. Uh, speaking of, you know, artists you, you know, looked up to and try to, you know, uh, get inspiration from, who are some of your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? Man, I don't know. It had, there's so many now. It's like the more I dig into it, the more I find. Um, but obviously Hardy Fowler was the one, the first artist ever that like got me into it. And then from there, there were a bunch of artists. Like I definitely love a lot of stuff that um, Danar Warrior does. And when I was at Lightbox, I actually had a chance to meet him as well. And he's like a really nice guy. And the reason why I like him so much is because he's very experimental with the stuff that he does. Like after doing all the stuff for Last of Us, he then moved to the movie scene. And now he's doing like his own animation stuff. And it's just like, it's very interesting to see someone like that. And the one advice that he gave me when I met him was that, hey, just you're an artist. Just like create stuff that you enjoy. Don't just like... Um, pigeonhole yourself into like one thing that, okay, I just got to make environments and that's it. It's like do animation, do whatever you want. So that was definitely a good one. The other artist that I really like is um, is Pablo Dominguez. Like his stuff is really awesome. Like all the Star Wars stuff. This guy, he's worked in every movie at this point and his stuff is amazing. Um, and then I had a couple teachers who I really look up to. I mean, there's uh, there's James Paik. Um, I had a chance to learn from him through Brainstorm School and... 
Kenny Vo, there's so many, man. Like I can't just like name a couple. I have a hard time just figuring out like my favorite artists because like they're, they're all so good. Yeah, uh, this question is actually a tricky question of the podcast because when you ask someone who's your like, favorite inspirations or an artist and stuff like that, especially like to someone who's also an artist, uh, it's kind of like a, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like numbing question because there's so many answers suddenly pop up in your brain. It's like that clip in YouTube where some guy prankster just walks on the street and asks like different people, name a woman, name a woman. Right. And, like, oh. and just freaks out, freaks out. No, just any woman. And like, well, you know? <laughs> That's what happened. Yep. I was like, uh, and I'm pretty sure once I'm done talking to you, I'll be like, oh my God, I should have mentioned this guy. <laughs> yeah. But actually you see the point of the questions like this is, Whoever pops in your brain the first are the actual real answers, not the not the answer you have to prepare for, you need to, you know, research for is not the actual real answer. Technically, the money about the actual real answer are is the answer that pops up in your head without thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you right. Know? Yeah, yeah. So that's the whole point. It's like a technique of the interview, you know, for me. And to ask these questions like this, but Speaking of you know different artists you know we you that is part of you. Let's talk about something else I've also noticed in your works is um, you've experimented with a lot of different styles. If I'm not mistaken, like there's like just so many different like you know there's some illustration types things. You know in the beginning when I saw checked your you know uh, Instagram, there's you know uh, hard surface, there's you know creatures, there's you know just just all around like a lot of things. But I think you know in, in your past couple of, like since I've seen that you're kind of honing into a certain type of like you know environments like your style which is I think it, uh, it's getting into the like the zone of sci-fi mostly if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. like sci-fi right? yeah for the most part mm-hmm. yeah so how do you feel about that like you know what what are your thoughts about you not just having a style for yourself or experimenting with different styles I feel like right now, even the sci-fi stuff is not really like, I wouldn't consider it like my style. Like I'm still experimenting and creating like more fantasy stuff. Uh, if anything, I want to do more um, more grounded stuff, right? Like I feel like as, as far as style goes, um, the theme is different, but the style is relatively the same, right? I'm still using 3D to make all these images. But the theme is usually different. Sometimes it's horror. Sometimes it's sci-fi. Sometimes it's you know fantasy. Sometimes it's gonna be like more you know real-world grounded stuff. And um, I try to like change it up every single time, you know, because I feel like I feel like when I first got into learning 3D code, I was having a really good time with just like making hard surface stuff. So for a while, I was doing a lot of like sci-fi. But then from there, I was like, you know what? I want to work on something that's not sci-fi because I'm getting bored now. And so I did like some other things like the mountain project with the spikes coming out and then like a couple more interior shots. And then now that I've done all of that, I'm like, you know what? Let me go back and do more sci-fi. So it's like, a, it always flip-flops, you know? It's it's a switch. You have to like just turn on and turn off. But at, at the core of all these images that I'm creating, I'm still using the same workflow, you know? So that's what I said. Like once you have like a good, workflow that you come up with it's very easy to kind of like just try whatever you want to try i guess the the only thing that i haven't tried at this point is more stuff that's more stylized like disney pixar and you know more that's you'll see stuff in like animation that would be like a completely different style but as far as what i've going on right now it's kind of like it's very well established to the point where i can change the theme and do whatever i want and 
you know, I really enjoy uh, I watch I really enjoy watching sci-fi movies. And many times when I do work on a sci-fi piece is usually after I watched a sci-fi movie. Like I recently binge watched the entire Alien franchise. And every single time, every single movie, I was like pausing and I'm like looking at the environments and thinking about how I could make those in 3D when I'm making stuff. So uh, it's usually it's definitely a phase. But yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I can definitely, you know, feel what you mean by that. And um, speaking of, you know, that actually, I recently watched like this series that I used to really love, which is called Firefly. It's like a sci-fi series from like, you know, early 2000s. Have you watched that? I have not. Is it good? Are, are you into Western sci-fi? I guess not, I, not really. I don't know. Like, I haven't gone deep enough. Like, I've only watched mm -hmm. the mainstream stuff, if I'm being honest with no, you. No, by Western sci-fi, I mean, like, uh, it's kind of like a subgenre of sci-fi. It's kind of like cowboy sci-fi, sometimes call it, or something mm -hmm. like that. It's it's really good, actually. I really recommend that. Like, the acting and writing is really good, and the setting, I really, I really dig it. If you're, if you're in, from the things I've seen from your art session, I think you'll like it. Cool, and, yeah, I'll check uh, it out, yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, there's also one other thing I wanted to you know mention and talk about, you know, uh, which is you know which is kind of like part of like something we kind of discussed about a little bit before we started recording of the podcast, which is about making connections actually, which is a really important topic. Which here's an interesting thing for me. Uh, there are topics like you know, for example, I'm gonna get out of get off topic for a second. Like you know, since like sixties and seventies, there's been a huge surge of like you know motivational speakers you know motiv self-motivation books courses seminars and stuff like that and you feel like after all these decades people still need like you know different methods of getting motivation or like you feel like it's something that should have been solved by now you know but what i'm trying to say is if you compare it to what i'm going to say you can understand what i'm the point i'm trying to get about making connections so making connections has always been something that's been, you know, super important in an industry you're working in, right? And after all these decades and just how many hours of, you know, content has, that has been uploaded on YouTube and different social medias about how to connect to people, how to do all this stuff, um, there's, it still feels like a riddle for a lot of people, you know? That's what I'm trying to get at. And uh, from my personal experience, you know, just it doesn't matter what the platform is. You first, you need to learn the etiquette of each platform, you know, whether it be Discord, whether it be Instagram, and by etiquette, I don't mean like, you know, you don't have to just, I don't know, there's like some special language for it or something like that, but learn how people usually use it, you know? And um, from my experience, you know, Instagram has been one of the best. Then second to that would be Twitter. But when it comes to like, you know, asking, uh, if you genuinely want to, this is my like best uh, like you know suggestion i could give to anyone if you genuinely want to connect with someone and have a conversation with them and you know make a connect make an actual real connection email is the best in my opinion email is the best because listen we all use instagram as kind of like a hobby as kind of like a sh short that's just something fun so just social media in general you know and linkedin has this aura of like being dry and like too corporate and stuff so when you go there you're in like a work mindset but when you email huh this person took the time to actually find the email address, copy paste it, and you know, send the to write the topic and subject, and you know, said, "Hey, I like your work, and you know, I was wondering if I can get some time to get to know your opinion." And from there on, you know, you make a connection, you talk, you know, stuff like that. I think emails has been the best way to actually make genuine questions if you're serious. You know, I know this, this might sound weird to a lot of you, but this is from my personal experience of like you know, sending 
like messages throughout all different social media platforms and emails for the podcast. Like I've sent well over 2,200 different people messages. I'm not kidding. I have a like a log that I record and archive everything. For the past four years, I've sent like 2,230 something messages. You know? So I know the email has been, has the, had the highest success rate of getting a reply back, you know? And Twitter, weirdly enough, had the lowest. Like people don't just check to DM, DMs on Twitter for some reason. Our station, again, the lowest, but sometimes the people answer. But of course, if you're going to message on our station, please check the general tab. If you don't have any business, you know, inquires with that person, don't put business. Because if they were in a bad mood and they report your message, your profile could be in a, uh, like, like a bit of a trouble. But yeah, just take the general tab. You'll see what I mean. But these were my experiences, all right? Now we want to hear from you. What has been like, you know, you've made like a good amount of following for yourself on Instagram and also YouTube. So I, I'm sure, you know, you've made some, you know, good connections out of these social media platforms as well. So what were, what would be your, you know, biggest, uh, uh, like, you know, lessons you've learned from all the experiences you have? So I want to say like, for me, the best way that I've connected with people has been through Instagram, mainly because the one thing that people don't really do is like, like they'll follow someone they admire and they, that's all they do. They'll just follow them, like their posts and they'll just like go on with their day. Right. Hoping that this person would like notice them. But I kind of figured out a hack for myself that's been working. Like whenever I come across someone's drawing on ArtStation and I, and I like it, and they're also a concept artist like me, I will like their first six posts and then I'll leave a comment on their more latest drawing. And I'll be like super specific about what I like about their drawing. And then more than likely, they'll follow me back. And if they do follow me back, then I'll send them a message that, hey, thanks a lot for the follow. And I love your stuff. And then from there, we just start talking. And this is, and this process, what, what it does is that you don't really end up connecting with a lot of people. But when you do connect with someone, you end up becoming friends with them. And that's the part that people are missing. People are missing the rela relatability part, right? Like you get to realize that this person behind this drawing, this person is also human. They're not just like some, you know, some higher power who's just making these cool images, right? They're just like you, they're humans. And that's how I've connected for the most part. But other than that, the other way that I've grew my following as well is just on Instagram by posting a lot of reels. I feel like the algorithm of Instagram has changed a lot. You can only, in my experience, I've only grown run my stuff by putting out reels that blew up and then through my reels if someone comments down below and you know i feel i like their stuff i will follow them back leave them a message if they look at it that's fine if they don't then you know that's fine too but i do like the idea of email as well because like with email you can just because what happens with instagram is that if someone messages me and i'm not following them back it goes to my requests bar and you know you miss it right but with email, like you still see your email at this point. But at the same time, for me, Instagram is just, it worked a lot better in my case. And also I feel like I can like see what the other person looks like. I can see if they're even like, you know, relevant, if they're in the industry. But but a lot of the good connections that I've made has mostly been through just my classmates. And we all like have this system now, like whenever someone posts a drawing or posts a concept art piece, we like share it to our story, you know? You know how they can share stuff for your story and stuff? And then when you do that, 
the person really appreciates it. So if I meet someone new on Instagram and they follow me back or whatever, even if they don't follow me back, I just like their stuff. I'm gonna just go ahead and share it on my story because I like their stuff. I want other people to see it. And for the most part, whenever I've done that, the person whose stuff that I shared on my story, like actually responded and be like, hey, you know, thanks for the share. And then that's the point where you can start talking to them and be like, hey, yeah, I love your stuff. I wonder how you made this thing or whatever. And so it's all about like just being really personal with people and um, not making it look like it's transactional, right? You want to stay away from being like, hey, I love your stuff. Can you give me a feedback on my portfolio? Like this person doesn't know you. Why would they spend their time giving you feedback on your portfolio? You know, you'd rather build that connection first, wait a couple of days and then kind of like ask them that, hey, you know, I love your stuff. We've been talking. I wonder if you can like help me out here. And I actually did that with uh, a concept artist. His name is uh, Bobby Hernandez. He worked for Insomnia Games and now he's working at That's No Moon Studios. And so I kind of followed him. He followed me back. And we've, we've kind of been like on and off talking on different subjects since the last year. And then recently I like messaged him that, hey, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, get like a full time gig with environment as an environment concept artist. And I've seen you've done similar stuff. What kind of what path did you take and whatnot? And then he gave me like a really nice big reply just explaining everything, you know? So I feel like once you make that connection with people, just trying to like get to know them, then you get better responses as opposed to just like cold emailing, cold messaging that, hey, I love your stuff. Can you help me? You know, because no one's going to no one's going to like feel that connection, you know, and they'll, they, they won't like help you if they don't feel like it. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I get that what you mean. And um but just two more things I want to add, you know, with everything both of us said, I think um, here's the thing, here's the first one, which is, you know, whenever you're interacting with someone, whatever on social media or outside, um, people usually, you know, then both of us, I think, you know, we can agree, you know, we, our reactions, our behaviors are kind of dictated by our moods, which is kind of pretty basic things, you know? So for example, if you, if someone doesn't message you or someone doesn't, you know, um, messages you in a bad way don't try to take it too personally you know i mean of course you, you can't help it you do kind of you know but what i'm trying to say is you know not everyone's gonna be under you know a game you know every 24 7 every day so don't try to get discouraged don't try to you know take it too personal and also not just that people like everyone has a different style of like using social media you know we talked about etiquette of social media and stuff like that you know you explain some of your etiquette uh but everyone has their own different game you know when it comes to social media and just how they like to use it you mm -hmm. know so also don't get discouraged if you know someone you know doesn't i don't know like like your stuff or something like that you know so you know people use the social media in different ways some people i don't know i've, I've seen just they post stuff but they never answer dm some people answer dm very fast some people answer dm after two weeks everyone's different you know so don't don't get if you don't get a reply just move on it's fine don't yeah. take it from personal yeah that is fine mm -hmm. and uh with that being said even though i said that but don't let this be a discouragement keep going you'll find the people who will eventually you know are going to be the ones who are going to help you through it throughout the way and yeah just keep going i guess that's yeah. kind of cliche but and, it is what it is. and as much as it sucks saying this i do feel like you have to reach a certain level where your art looks really good in order to get people to give it, give you attention. Like I've literally seen that happen to me. Like 
on the towards the end of 2022 that's when i feel like something clicked in me and my i was trying and i was like making good pieces and that's when i started seeing that oh people who, who i've been following for the past two three years now they're following me back so i will say that this works a lot better when you have when you have already like reached or you're slowly reaching that bar the quality bar right you want to reach that quality bar for people to like even give a shit about you right and and i know it sucks that it, it is this way but that's just how that's just how the world works at this point and um that's why i think like social media is all good and stuff but i feel like you have to definitely put in the hours and work on yourself first work on your art make good pieces and then you'll just like the the audience will just come to you you know because they'll be like oh my god this guy's so cool i mean if you're not that good or even if you're not hitting that quality bar even if you are just consistent with just posting stuff on instagram and to the point where someone can see that oh this guy's trying really hard or this girl's doing really good you know i'm gonna follow them back i want to see their journey so that's also another thing i want to add yeah definitely like that, that is actually so true um not just in art in any like you know feel people like they might show you a mask of happiness and the smiles you know when they meet you because that's a social norm but deep down they might not respect you that's just a really harsh cold truth of the world but oh you also want to add to that you shouldn't really be motivated by people's opinion like this i know like what i'm also saying sounds really weird and cliche but well all right just i'm just gonna like sum up everything i want to say just your own your only competition for, for now is yourself all right so just be better than yesterday and don't really get anxious about you know who's following you or not or just who's liking or not just focus on you try to find what you like get loads of focus on it and eventually everything will literally fall in place yeah that's it like uh, we talked for like 20 minutes just about this subject but if i could sum up the, the only thing you need to know just you know that's that was it you know right and just Everything setting up goals for yourself and achieving them you know um that's kind of like how i came up with the youtube channel because i was like okay i got to make something every week and i have a video that i need to upload every week so now i have a goal that okay every week i got to make something art related and that could either be like one painting or it could be you know a bigger project broken down into different weeks so yeah, just kind of uh, kind of on the topic of YouTube, I have a question for you, you know, like, let, let me actually, you know, ask you in front of, you know, like everyone's listening, because this might also be useful for them as well. So for anyone who's seen the YouTube channel of Career Podcast, it's just the video version of the podcast on it, right? That's that's pretty much it, right? And I, I was kind of, you know, wondering if uh, I also wanted to, you know, make a tutorial content myself, you know, so I don't know if I should just upload it to this channel or make a separate channel like like a type of channel you have for yourself it's like a personal channel it's yourself your the brand is yourself it's not a studio or anything and you're just sharing your experiences personally so do you think i should just upload the tutorials and the stuff i want to upload on the same youtube channel or should i just leave that youtube channel for the podcast because like in the future i want to like you know make career like you know my brand and the studio and everything you know at one point so you know they kind of fall into the same umbrella but mm -hmm. when it comes to like you know what is the more efficient way what would you do in my position actually Ooh, that's a tough one i don't know <laughs> see the trend that i've seen is that people usually have one youtube channel and once they build it up to the point where they have a bigger following then they start making other channels 
So I would definitely think that it's better if you stick to one channel, just build that up and then eventually move on to a different one. So for now, because what's going to happen is that if you if you're just starting out and you already have two channels, your subscribe you have no guarantee that you'll have the same subscribers subscribe to this other channel, right? Many times, how many times have you subscribed to a channel and you don't really watch their videos anymore, right? I think we all do that. Like I've subscribed to so many channels and I don't even watch their videos because I, I don't know, I just forget or it, it's just not, I'm just not watching them anymore. So imagine if someone's like that and they won't subscribe to your second channel if they're not watching your first channel, right? So I would definitely think maybe start off with one channel, just keep building it up see how that goes because kind of like how how Bobby Chu does like the schoolism channel do you know about it uh yeah but I kind of don't remember how the channel was uh, so yeah his channel discuss. he used to do the same thing right he was interviewing a lot of artists like how you're doing but then at the same time he would also post like other videos and I feel like it worked pretty well for him you know and then once it grew up to a point where he had a lot of subscribers then he made a separate channel just called Bobby Chu where he was doing his personal stuff and the interviews are still like on the other channel now. So I would say definitely experiment. If you have, definitely feel like, I think it's better to, sorry. <laughs> I feel I feel like it's much better to just have one channel, build that up. And then if you see an opportunity for a different one, then you can do another one. That's just my humble opinion on this. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Actually, I checked like, wow, these interviews are from 10 years ago. This is amazing, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, like one thing you like, you know, sure. Like, you know, if you look at the landscape of the podcast I'm doing, it's, uh, it might, you know, sound or seem a bit a little depressing because of all this, the amount of episodes out there, but while at the same time that users suffer very low and there, there, I have my own reasons why I'm doing the podcast. So, you know, it, of course, obviously it's like, I like it. Everyone likes, you know, having a lot of users themselves, right? But my main reason and goal and what drives me isn't necessarily that. So that's why I've been able to, you know, keep up after four years, you know, feel uh, to just say, you know, like this. But one thing that's, I one main thing that's a really good reason for me is, for example, these interviews, like in 10 years or 20 years, like just now what's happening with like, you know, schoolism interviews that I'm seeing that have effect. It's kind of, if you think about it, a slice of life of an artist in 2023 or 2024 or whichever year I'm, you know, conducting the podcast. And imagine just looking at those in six years. Mm -hmm. What what I mean by slice of life? Look at look at our hairstyle, look at our facial hair, look at our clothing, look at our decors, look at our the way of speaking, the vocabulary we use. All of this is are kind of be really useful, like you know, pieces of information for future generations. I know it sounds kind of crazy or weird, but it's true. You yeah, know? dude. Like my oldest video on my channel is from the year twenty twenty. 2020 I think so so I so my channel I started it back in 2020 I uploaded like maybe four videos and then I stopped then I uploaded some more back in 2021 and then I stopped and then 2022 I was like you know what let me let me start doing this and so 2022 I started like towards the end of the year and then I stopped in 2023 around like May because during that time I was uh, moving to a new house and I was also taking a class a lot of stuff going on so I stopped and then towards the end of last year, I started my channel again. And so like even my and so now I've been like going very consistent with it so far. Hopefully I'm going to keep going that way. But yeah, when I look at my old videos, I'm just like, man, look at me. I used to talk so funny. And so you learn from those experiences when you watch your older self 
And, you know, it's actually a really, really good experience, just like going through your older stuff and then realizing how far you've come. Not just about, it's not usually about subscribers or views. Many times it's about your personal development as well. You know, just seeing your growth as a person, which is really interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. But mostly, um, you look at your old stuff and you see, oh, how funny I looked or how funny I look. But I look at myself and I just cringe, man. Like, I'm listening. Why was I having that hairstyle? Why was I like speaking like that? Like, dude, trust me, I've had some really embarrassing moments sometimes, like that I find cringe for myself on this podcast in the past. Uh, <laughs> if I could, you know, delete them and replace them, I, I definitely would. But I know, like, if I, I, I can't, like, just ignore those. I have to accept that, that they were part of me. And I never, I never grow from that if I don't accept the cringe, in a sense. Right. This is like, I'm using Zoomer vocabulary for explaining some, you know. <laughs> and I get it. I get all of it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. All right. So, there's another thing I want to ask you as well. What are you working on right now, if you can tell us about it? If there's no NDA involved, what kind of project are you working on? Right now, I'm not really working on any project because I feel like the industry is like at a halt with all the layoffs happening. Um, so I'm just yeah. spending my time building more pieces, taking some personal time off, you know, um, spending time with family and things like that, just traveling. But unfortunately, at the moment, I mean, I have I have I have a, a retail job that I work every now and then. Um, but other than that, artistically, it's still like at a standstill, if I'm being honest with you. And that's and you know, I do feel like. Even if you do end up getting work at a studio or whatever, right? It's still very temporary. So I feel like it's always good to constantly work on personal projects, constantly keep that flow going. And eventually you want to get to a point where you can start making your own stuff and people just support you. Like, for example, I released a, a 3D, 3D kit bash set of just some rocks recently. And I, I didn't think I was going to get any sales, any downloads, but I, I crossed like 50 downloads the other day. And I'm like, this is this is a milestone for me, right? Like people still, people will support you if you have like, um, if you have like a brand built around you. So lately I've just been focusing on that, working on personal projects, uploading on YouTube, you know, getting feedback, getting clicks, and then hopefully making it into something that's like a lot bigger to the point where I don't have to depend on a studio to make a living. You know what I mean? Definitely. Speaking of the landscape of the industry right now, like, <laughs> it's pretty I've shitty. just been noticing something. Like, <laughs> like uh, one of my friends is actually like a really well-known like picture artist, and he told me as well. You know, I was you know discussing this with him as well that the sales have gone so lo so low all over in the marketplaces. And well, when you think about it, when there's this whole thing about the layoffs, there's a there's this worrying thing about AI, which is have always been for the past two three years, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. it's very natural for morale to get low, you know, like suddenly, dude, 1900 jobs in a bang, just gone, dude, 1900 and, is not, it's not a, like a low number. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And that's crazy. The other thing is that I feel like as far as concept art is concerned, learning concept art is more accessible than ever. Now, prior to COVID. You only had a couple schools, couple universities. You had maybe like one or two online schools. But after COVID, you have so many resources, right? You got professional concept artists releasing their own courses, their own mentorships. A lot of schools are going online, teaching their stuff. And I feel like it's so accessible than ever. It's so easy to learn. 
But the one thing that the teachers don't really push in these classes is that, hey, there aren't enough jobs. They got to like mentally prepare these students that, and I was a victim of this, like they don't tell us like how, like there aren't enough jobs. Like the reality is that there aren't enough concept art jobs, right? So you have to be like really, really good to even like break into. And what's happening right now is that you have these professionals with like years and years of experience and then they get laid off. And so now you're competing with like these people who got laid off with like, you know, a bunch of years of experience. And so now it's like, it just feels impossible, right? It, you get that feeling. But so I think it's totally normal to feel that way. But at the same time, I do feel like I am hopeful that hopefully it'll get better. But at the same time, people say that every year. I feel like the same thing was said last year. The same thing was said the year before. So along with all that, I, I definitely believe it's good to have like another outlet for yourself where you're just building your own brand, your own business so that eventually that takes off and then you can just like work on that. But yeah, like the like the schooling system in concept art is like there, there's a little bit of a mis disconnection, you know, not disconnection, <laughs> disconnect between the industry and the teaching part. It's become like a big source of uh, income for a lot of people. Right. It's, it's a business model at this point that, hey, we'll teach you how to draw and stuff and you can work in the games industry, but we're not going to tell you that there aren't enough jobs. So that's one of the biggest things that I've experienced. Welcome to academia industry. That's the, you just summed up the whole academia industry in a nutshell. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, for example, a lot of philosophy majors, you know, there's a philosophy professor. Hey, come learn philosophy. And you go get a philosophy major and you just have to, you know, go back and try to find the same position your professor had. So it basically feels like a pyramid scheme at some point. <laughs> the whole academia. I, I just mentioned philosophy, philosophy as an example. I'm not necessarily like having faith against philosophy majors or anything like that. Um, but the same with concept like for example, a lot of you know universities or institutes who teach game design and creative media and all that stuff, a lot of the teachers are not even qualified, are not even good artists, are not even industry like professionals. Listen, if you're an industry professional and you're working well, you don't have the time to teach in institute. Usually, wait, wait, wait. Let me rephrase that. Don't people don't call me out of out of context, please, because I know you know great people, artists who also you know have their own schools, have their own. No systems because they're passionate about teaching you know that's a different case but in general especially in most colleges and you know for example i'm, I'm gonna give a shout out to you know someone who i had you know previously on the podcast as well like ahmed alzuri i know who, who doesn't know him i love that guy he had a, like a, his meds map course is like 330 dollars right mm. i don't even know it and with that like 330 dollars well actually let me give a shout out to someone else who i had the podcast like actually i'm going through his courses so, by the way i'm not sponsored at all these are just people that i just enjoy talking to and I, I think their stuff is amazing and his course actually like uh, Tiago's course also has different tiers on Gabriel there's $360 there's $128 $50 but even the $50 one the amount of you know knowledge you get to become a trading environment artist you know is like priceless compared to like the like I don't know $60,000 at least how, how much is the like a two-year you know program right now in the US I don't know like, for example, yeah. is it 60 or I just splurted like random number out like i think it's probably higher right now right? more than that yeah i mean like the most famous concept art school right now is uh in in california art center and that one is like like close to that per year so if you're going for four years <laughs> you're like drowning in debt at this point and it's, it's, it's crazy like uh, i don't know I'm not gonna talk too much about it at this point I, yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. what's funny though a lot of their students who end up going to art center and when they get a job they drop out 
and they'll just start working. Like I've met so many people like that because at brainstorm school, a lot of art center students go to brainstorm as well with, and take like extra classes. And I met a few people through there who went to art center for like two years and then they found a job and then they, they just dropped out and they just started, they started working. And you know, it's, it's all about like get, and so the same thing you can do by yourself, by learning other courses, or just, you know, going to like a trade school, like Brainstorm or Sin Studio or Concept Design Academy or CGMA. You know, there's so many out there, but like that costs fairly less compared to, you know, $100,000. And honestly, like if I could, you know, boil everything down in very simple terms from everything that I've, you know, heard from a lot of people, artists and, you know, just just my own solitary thoughts myself. Um, your first main task is to figure out what clicks with your brain the, the best. What I mean by that, I'm not talking about what you love the most. Go go do what you love, which is, of course, you know, I'm trying to make it fun of it a little bit, but it's kind of part of it as well. Yeah, sure, you need to do what you like, but liking is not the most important part. At the same time, you need to figure out what clicks with your brain the most. And what I mean by that, without sounding too convoluted, is to figure out you know what you're really talented at. Are you really good at details? Are really good at characters? Are really good at anatomy? Are really good at environments? Are you really good at storytelling through color? Mm -hmm. You I need to ask yourself these questions. And when you figure that out, get laser focused on it for a couple of years and voila. And no, not voila, wait a second. But it depends. Yeah, but I mean, you'll after get you learn, Yeah. You make your connections and you get a job. Because listen, yeah. I, I don't care how bad the industry gets, how money, how much layoffs there are. If you have something unique to offer, and by the way, I'm not trying to insult people who got laid off or, or saying they didn't have anything unique to offer, but I, but I at the same time, I believe if you have genuinely something very unique to offer, so you can make yourself an outlier, it'll be a lot harder for you to get laid off. Yeah, that that's the truth. And um, and the fastest way to get there is to, as I said, go back to the one that I mentioned. Figure out what clicks with your brain the most. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history, you know? And uh, do you have anything else to add, add on to that? No, yeah, I totally agree with you. But at the same time, I also feel like many times the decision that is made by some higher up who doesn't know anything about art. So even if you do have something unique to offer and you find yourself in a situation where you do get laid off, it's never, it's never really uh, because of your skill. It's mostly because of just some, some dude sitting in like a high chair making those decisions. So I would just say, if you're ever in that situation, just don't beat yourself up about it. Just keep going, keep you know, keep pushing yourself, because you know you should know your own value, and then from there you'll just keep getting more work. And honestly, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I'm but I'm kind of optimistic about the whole industry. I'm really optimistic. Do you know why? Because I think. Uh, from my perspective, you know, how I see things is that capitalism is ruining game industry by in the past couple of years, and we can all see it with the yeah. different shady practices that have been going on, the live service thing. Like, for example, the recent thing, the Justice, Kill the Justice League game, the Suicide Squad one, have you seen the news about that? Yeah, um, people hate that game. <laughs> yeah, it's live service, it's buggy, like you can't even, even play it if the servers are offline, which is kind of weird. Um, but there's like a lot of other things, you know, I don't want to get into those spoil too much, but what I'm saying, there have been a lot of, you know, 
weird things that are going on in the industry. And it's basically like, you know, like for example, another big example I can, I can give you is that how Cyberpunk got rushed in 2021. Because mm-hmm. they need to reach a deadline and, and the investors, just, they just said, you know, just push the red button and just release the game. And you got a cluster mess of a game, you know? Yeah. Even with movies, I feel like VFX has been like, not, I mean, oh, God, not as good. Yeah. And I'm not blaming the VFX artists. Like they're doing the best that they can. But it's just that they're be, they've been giving these, uh, um, these deadlines, you know, um, unrealistic deadlines. When I watched the Flash Man, the Flash movie that came out, I was like, this movie's a joke. Like the VFX looked so bad. But once again, I'm like, it's not the VFX who are at fault here. It's just like yeah. those deadlines. Like people just want to, they want to spend less money and get more out of it, you know? And it's just, it's, it's bad like right now. Like it's just, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. But for example, when, you know, these investors who don't know nothing about the industry or they, they the only thing they care about is the numbers and deadlines, you know, when they see, for example, a game like Stardew Valley as a solo developer makes a lot of money or like this, like the solo indie devs that make you a lot of money. Of course, they're going to fucking seethe and get angry as sort of, oh my God, how can we reach these numbers? Like they don't understand the secret sauce that makes it product great, game great, right? Mm-hmm. And not just games, like animations or anything like that, no? Um, but I think, you know, like I have hope for the industry because of studios like Larian, studios of like CD Projekt Red. Of course, I kind of I kind of mentioned, you know, their kind of blunder they made with Cyberpunk, but of course, they absolutely redeemed themselves. It's an amazing game now. Yeah, it's yeah, an absolutely sure. amazing game. Like, go play it. It's uh, I played it like in a late um, September of last September. Like, I didn't play it initially on the launch. I played it when the new DLC came. It was amazing. I only just run into just one bug, and they literally patched that bug a week later. I, I'm not kidding. It was a mission bug, and with the studios like this that still have a lot of following with the amount of like, you know, indie devs that have been popping up and, you know, making a lot of you know, success because of the stories, they give me hope that the industry could, you know, shift towards like a more healthier, you know, uh, cycle, you know, because mm-hmm. things like this are usually like a pendulum, you know, they switch back and forth, you know, like for example, in 2008, there was a lot of layoffs all over the world as well, you know? Yeah, uh, and like right now, yeah, exactly. But we're going to, through something similar, but we don't really notice it. Like uh, yeah. a lot of like institutions don't want to admit we're going through the crisis, you know, but, but we are, you know, that's the truth. But I think, you know, I have high hopes for like, even though there's this whole threat of AI looming over us, I, I still have hope for, you know, that creative jobs, you know, won't go anywhere anytime soon, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like, listen, good art ha- has always, you know, people admirers. That's just good art. And listen, let's 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 see like in 78 years where in a dystopian version of the world where you know mostly all art jobs are gone. You know, when someone wants to, for example, a collector or a very rich person who wants to, you know, buy something in like a auction, you know, they say, Oh, this piece has been made by a human, so that's gonna have a certain value to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is like a scenario I just made up in my mind for a second, you know? Like, <laughs> so your work is 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 going to be valid, don't worry. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say. Just I have like actually positive, you know, good uh, hopes for the future of the industry, and not mm-hmm. not just industry, just art jobs in general, just art. And um, 
yeah, let's see what happens. Maybe, we'll maybe in two, three years, I get this part of this podcast out of context and play like, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> and all the arm jumps are gone. <laughs> Create an AI know. bot, an yeah, AI version just, of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Just enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts, I guess. I don't know what to say anymore, man. Do you have anything to say? No, not really. I mean, I'm pretty much done, I guess, <laughs> if you're done. But yeah. All right. And all right, so we reached the final question and section of the podcast, which is called Time Capsule, which, you know, of course, by the name of the section, you can kind of guess how it's going to go. Um, so I'm just going to, you know, try to explain it in this way. If, like, in the next couple of minutes, if you could distill and summarize the most valuable lessons you lear you've learned in your life thus far, what would they be? And these Next sentences are going to say are going to be kind of like a time capsule and anyone at any point of time in the future are, is going to hear it. So your audience isn't necessarily artists, are humans, you know, from one human to another human. What would be your most valuable and thoughtful lessons you've learned in your life? I guess the big one, biggest one that I've mentioned earlier as well would be experimentation. Like, don't be scared to try new things, like whatever it is, right? In my case, it was trying different art things, but it could be anything, right? Just don't be scared to, you know, just try new things. The other thing I would be, I would say is definitely, you know, be kind to yourself, you know, don't just, if you don't compare yourself to other people, many times, you know, I'll go down to the grocery store and I'll see some dude driving a Mercedes and I'm usually comparing myself that, oh my God, if only I had if only I was rich enough to have this car, you know, my life would be so much better. But you don't know what this person is going through. Maybe they have their, maybe, maybe they have some problems that you, you don't have, right? And maybe they're thinking the opposite. So like, definitely, don't compare yourself to other people, and um, and just be nice, you know, just be nice to everyone. You don't have to be, just don't stress out. You know, don't have, don't like put your stress on other people. Right? Many times we get stressed out, and then we take it out on other people. Those could be like family members or friends or whatever. So try not to do that as well. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I would say for the most part. <laughs> All right, awesome. And I guess that's a wrap. Thank you so much for coming by for this episode. Where can people contact you if they had any questions? Is their Instagram account okay? Yeah, you got. I'm literally on every social media platform except Twitter at this point. X, I want to say, but I'm on Instagram. TikTok, YouTube, you can email me, ArtStation. And I check my stuff regularly. So, you know, I always respond. So any of those should work. LinkedIn as well. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn also. Interesting. And with that being said, again, thanks so much for coming by. And thank you to anyone who tuned in and listened to this episode as well. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, if there's any comments or suggestions, leave them down in the comments section down below. And yes, I am fully aware of the like, you know, less than usual low frequency of the uploads of this podcast as well. I'm going through a lot of stuff right now in my personal life. <laughs> and I just recorded, you know, one episode like two days ago and another episode today after like six weeks. So, yeah, I'm trying my best. I'm sorry, you know, for anyone. And you're doing great. You know, be nice yeah, to yourself. Don't compare yourself, you know. Yep, 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 exactly. There, you like, go. there are 250 other episodes you guys can listen while I'm, you know, there you go. trying to figure out other episodes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. So that's about it. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. And until next episode, bye-bye. See ya. Take care.